Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton and Greg White here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's Supply Chain Buzz. Greg, how you doing? Happy New Year. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing wonderful. Uh, Never know. Nice. I just dipped into my chair like one second before the <laughs> the camera hit me. Did, did you? If somebody's car alarm is going off outside. <laughs> Pulling an Enrique Alvarez, are you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, I tell you, folks, uh, it's the first supply chain buzz of the new year, 2023. We've, we've had a couple weeks where we recharge the batteries, but everything's back, Greg. New episodes. New live streams, new webinars. With that said, is back. We're going to touch on that here in a moment. And uh, most importantly, it's great to be reconnecting with all the folks that show up in the the skyboxes. Yes, uh, every Monday at twelve noon, huh? Yeah, exactly. VIPs like Greg White. Well, hey, folks, today we're going to say hello to a few folks in just a moment. Today, again, it's Supply Chain Buzz. Every Monday, twelve noon Eastern time, you can find Greg and I and friends. Uh, talking about some of the leading stories across global business. Now, today, we're going to be talking about uh, new drone delivery successes, um, an update on the automotive industry, supply chain real estate. We're going to talk about some trends from 2022 when it comes to global supply chain and a lot more. And folks, get ready, because one of our favorite parts here, besides what Greg brings uh, to the table uh, every single week without fail, is all all that y'all share in the comments. We'd love to hear your take on what's going on. So, Greg, should be a pretty pretty big and full show, huh? Well, it ought to be. I mean, we've been away for a little while. You'd think, I'm sure people expect that we have been uh, preparing diligently. That's all we did for the last two weeks, right? What you have. You have. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were preparing every single minute of the last couple of weeks, including all time spent in Kansas City, wouldn't you, wouldn't you say? Unquestionably, I think, you know, we wanted to get a feel for what's going on around the world of supply chain and what better city than one of the trucking capitals of America. That is right. Okay. Well, uh, let's say hello to a few folks before we share a couple of programming notes and then get into the news of the day. Of course, Catherine, happy buzz day, y'all. Happy buzz day to you, Catherine. Uh, big thanks to what you and Amanda and Chantel and Clay, the whole, the whole crew, uh, do each and every week. Brad Reeves, Supply Chain Now. Happy Monday, he says. Monday. <laughs> Monday. So Brad's just ahead of the way ahead of us. <laughs> right. Uh, but Brad, welcome. Welcome to you. Uh, Perpetual Machua. Hello to you. Uh, welcome in via LinkedIn. Happy to uh, happy for you to be here with us. Let us know where you're tuned in from. Any guesses, Greg? Any guesses where Perpetual Machua maybe turned it tuned in from? Nigeria. Or, um, let me think, Jamaica. Okay. So, Perpetual Machua, let us know where you're tuned in from. Great to have you here. Kavan is back. Not Uh, in Jamaica. (laughs) That is right. (laughs) But I bet he wish he was. (laughs) Don't we all? Man. Uh, But, Kavan, Happy New Year and happy first buzz day to you. And then, hey. Uh, who holds down the fort for us in Aiken, South Kakalaki, the one and only yep. Leah Luton. Uh, great to have you with us, uh, Mom, a.k.a. Mom. Great to have you here, as always. Hi, Mom. <laughs> okay. Send money. That's right. Hey, money. Yeah, wasn't that a commercial? Hey, Mom, send money or something like that? It was every football game ever when we were in college, right? <laughs> every kid went, hey, Mom, send money. Uh, amen. Uh, okay. So I want to I want to uh, so welcome everybody. We're going to try to work, work everyone's comments in throughout uh, the session. And by the way, Kenya, perpetual mature Kenya, close. Okay, right. Well, other side of the continent. Other side, that's right. On the continent, yes. You know, I've already proven my lack of geographic ability globally uh, here at Supply Chain. Now, hey, well, I'll tell you why I know that. Okay, please. Of course, first of all, I love geography and all of that sort of thing. But also I watched long way down you and McGregor's 
adventure cycle ride yes. from Atlanta or Atlanta from London, not near Atlanta, from <laughs> London uh, to the the tip of of Africa uh, in the in the Cape. So, and of course, he goes through Kenya, which wow, what a beautiful country! <laughs> it is. It really is. Uh, one of uh, I'm not going to get her name right. One of the um, Hartful Jackson. Atlanta National Airport Airport guests we've had with us. Her family's from Kenya, and man, the the, the visuals she painted through a couple of different conversations she had. Right. I'm going to think of her. At, uh, yeah, I'm having a Monday morning moment. So works with an S. Yes. Right. So we'll circle back. Maybe Amanda and and Catherine can help me out there. But hey, yeah, this is where this is where the production crew really pays off. That is right. Amen to that. Hey, the doc, uh, Doc Hollywood. Of global supply chain holiday, Doc Hollywood. That was a Michael David Fox movie. Uh, <laughs> Doc Holiday is Fred Tolbert. Now Fred says, and Fred's been been too long. Hope to see you soon. Fred says it's a great day to be in supply chain. My day today, supply chain now, and then a bulldog frog gigging tonight. Greg. Oh man, I hope he's right. So <laughs> for those of you who don't know, the college football national championship, the Natty, as we call it here in the South. Uh-huh. Um, the Natty is tonight, and Georgia, the University of Georgia, is trying to repeat against Texas Christian University and from Fort Worth in beautiful L.A. in SoFi right. Stadium. So, not Lower Alabama, the real Los Angeles. Yes, that's right, Los Angeles. That's right. So, good luck to all of our Bulldog friends uh, and fans, and also all of our TCU friend, friends as well. They've got a great supply chain program at both schools. Not as much, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, all right, we got to get out of business, Greg. We, we got so yeah. much to catch up on. It's so great to be back. Yeah, derailed. That's right. So great to be back with all of our all the folks in the comments. Thanks good. so much for being a part yeah. of our journey. All right, so really quick, folks. Um, you know, we, we, over the weekend, we, we touched on uh, a, a four-part leadership tune-up, uh, and really, it could have been a five-parter, and maybe it started to be a five-parter, but that fifth thing would have been, hey, you got to get involved, you got to give forward, you got to do good, you got to do everything, you, you got to take on uh, the greater good in many, many, many ways, far beyond the core business, right? And one of the ways you can do that with our extended fam here at Supply Chain Now is with our Leveraging Logistics for Ukraine initiative. Now, this is led by Maureen and Enrique and Christy at the powerful Vector Global Logistics uh, organization, which does a lot of great good, um, do good work. But as as they always are, Greg, they are mm-hmm. open arms, always welcoming for folks just to get involved, whether you want to come to the planning meeting like tomorrow at January 10th at 11 a.m., just to come in and kind of get a feel of what's going on. Or if you're in position to donate towards uh, helping folks in Ukraine and Poland and that region. But everyone is welcome. Greg, your thoughts around this ongoing initiative? Yeah, well, let's not forget that that's still going on. I mean, I I think we've had a lot of other things in the news, and I think it's important to recognize that people are still suffering, right? Russia continues to um, oppress and attack uh, and, and, uh, there, you know, a lot of people have, have had to leave their country, their homes, all of their belongings and any of their, many of their belongings have been completely destroyed. If you've seen any, mm. uh, pictures or video lately. So this is a great initiative. It is, um, it's really just a collection of people who care both in Poland predominantly, but in Eastern Europe and here in the States, uh, like you said, led by the folks at, at Vector. And some really key large companies who are facilitating uh, very economic shipping of this uh, life-saving right material. De- definitely. And uh, speaking of which, I don't. We don't have an updated figure. The last updated figure, Greg, that we got in terms of like outcomes, over mm-hmm. five hundred thousand pounds of, of vetted humanita- humanitarian aid uh, getting to folks that were, were um, vetted in terms of the truly being in need. So folks yeah. join in uh, the link to the link to join this session, Greg, we dropped it in the, uh, the chat. Uh, you can learn more information there. It's free to join. Again, you don't have to come to the tomorrow session and, and contribute anything. You can just come and listen, but uh, we'd invite you to join us. Okay. 
So, Greg, uh, and great to see Joey back with us. Joey, hope this finds you well up in Minnesota, I believe. Eno, hey, I agree with you. And, you know, we don't take any of the credit. Maureen, Enrique, the whole Vector team, Chris, the whole Vector team, they really have built this thing from the, from the ground up and uh, a very lovely and needed effort indeed. Welcome uh, to the show, Eno. Eno. Um, okay, so, Greg, one other quick programming note. I mentioned this already. The four-point leadership tune-up uh, we released uh, Saturday morning. It's part of our ongoing weekly, with that said, LinkedIn right. newsletter. Now, we stole some great insights from across the ecosystem, including some from this guy right here, One, uh, the one and only Greg White. So y'all check that out. We've got, as y'all can see there, almost 19,000 subscribers. And we'd love to hear from you. You know, did we get it wrong? Did we get it right? What would you add? What would you take off? Y'all check it out. We're going to drop a link in that uh, chat. Greg, if there's one thing that comes to mind, one thing before we get into the news, mm. one leadership tip that comes to mind for this new year for leaders in any industry, what would that be? Wow. Uh, you're, you're not a leader because people obey you. You're a mm. leader because people follow you. Be the kind of person that people want to follow. That is uh, a beautifully said, as always, and and so true. A timeless truth, I think, in this, in this journey we're on. So, folks, take action. You got to step up and uh, and and be a real leader. Uh, to Greg's advice there. Okay, so let's do this, Greg. Are you ready to dive into the first story here today? Oh, wait, wait, wait a sec, Josh Goody. Great to have you. Rainy and 41. Oh, thank God. How long has it been since we got a, a <laughs> right? weather report from Seattle? Well, I mean, other than yesterday during the game. but um, <laughs> And by the way, congratulations to the Seahawks, Josh. That's right. Made the playoffs, the mighty Seahawks. Okay. And great to have you, Josh. Happy New Year to, to everyone here. Um, all right. So, Greg, uh, what I also didn't touch on, I, I lost my mind on the segue here, on that with that said <laughs> leadership tune-up, uh, since we kind of embraced the automotive theme, it happened to be uh, Saturn, the old car company that's no longer around. Uh, I think it was the 38th anniversary of the launch of the Saturn automotive line. Now, the last Saturn, Greg, rolled off the assembly line on 2000, in 2007. Now, I had, Greg, if you can mm. picture this. I know it's not walking down the hall thinking of challenges you got, but picture this. Uh, I had... Um, as a E3 in the United States Air Force, as two stripes, making about, you know, this is the mid-90s, I was making about 600 bucks, as I recall, per paycheck twice a month. Wow. <laughs> and I spent a quarter of that. Thank you. Yeah, big dollars. I, I spent a quarter of that monthly income, Greg, what was I thinking, on a Saturn SL2, mid, uh, midnight blue, had a straight shift. And man, I drove that thing all around Columbia and then drove it out to Wichita, Kansas, Greg, where you know, I spent two years with the Air Force out there. Yeah. Drove it all the way back, put, put about 100,000 miles on that bad boy. And um, first purchase. And then, Greg, what followed the Saturn, as I've talked about here, four consecutive four door Honda Accords. That's how exciting of an individual I am, Greg. Your response? Four Hondas over what time frame, though? I mean, <laughs> A lot of years. Right? Oh gosh, probably about a ten-year, maybe a twelve-year period after after the Saturn SL2 went, and not um, and certainly not because they were worn out. Just because I mean, not they weren't dead, right? right. Your Hondas weren't dead. Nope. nope, those things don't die. Just time. They just keep on. That <laughs> keep is on running. <laughs> so I, I have to tell you, I was uh, dubious of the entirety of Saturn from the very beginning, and they over time proved me right. Um, two of the biggest, right, and greatest car makers got together and made one of the worst cars in history. Now, you got 100,000 miles out of yours, which is very impressive. But I don't know if people know that was that was a, a collaboration between GM and Toyota. Is that yep. what it was Toyota, right? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're yeah. right. Um, well, and somehow th they had all kinds of problems with these cars, but they did have some really cool they did have some really cool componentry. Weren't they uh, plastic body panels, right? Not I, I, metal. Yep. That, they were one of the earliest entrants into the uh, the EV market, you know, forever yep. ago. No but negotiation. No right? negotiation. Paid the sticker price. 
Yeah. For so for weenies like me, not Greg, that hate the haggle, man, that was like <laughs> now Greg, my next car or house or anything else I buy, I'm gonna go in there with Greg and or Fred McKiff and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna kill it. Um, but one last thing, and we'll get to news, folks. Y'all, y'all indulge us here on the first buzz of, of 2023. This is automotive news. I think. Yeah, it's automotive news. That's right. But, Greg, can you imagine? Uh, you know how far it is from, say, Atlanta or even further east, Aiken, South Carolina, to Wichita, yeah. Kansas. Have you? Dri- I haven't driven a straight shift in a long time. I made – that was a, like a 20, as I recall, about a 22-hour straight drive coming back east from Wichita to Aiken. All in a, with a straight shift. So, you know, most of it was interstate, and that's okay because I had crews on that fifth gear. But every town, every exit, man, how, how did my right knee make it, you know? No kidding. I mean, <laughs> or my left knee, rather. Left knee, my left yeah, knee. But, but yeah, man, if you could do it with your right knee, that's truly impressive. <laughs> right. um, but you're right. I remember when I moved to Atlanta, I drove a stick shift and I thought I was going to die. I literally thought my left knee was going to blow up because of all the stops and starts i mean oh. at least on the highway right you're fine but yes uh i i i gotta tell you this is a totally different topic but in europe the stick shift has been very prominent i don't know if it is still but it has been very prominent and driving in a european city is an absolute nightmare they're tiny tiny roads lots of stops and starts um, I am truly impressed by Europeans who can drive a stick shift in a city environment, particularly in their cities. Right. Um, yeah. Gosh, it's just, that's crazy, man. Isn't, isn't it though? It was fun. It was fun <laughs> for a time, right? I mean, I right. think we both took a lot of pride in being able to drive a stick shift and um, and being able to jam the car through the gears. But, whew. well, my next st- stick shift, I am making a a, a, a promise to myself. It'll come with an engine with a bit more than 120 horsepower. So we'll <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But hey, folks, uh, we digress. But as Greg mentioned, it is a related note because we're talking. We're leading off today, spot chain buzz again every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time, with an update on the automotive industry. Right. So as reported by CNBC here, industry estimates for new cars and trucks, automobiles sold here in the U.S. range from 13.7 to 13.9 million new vehicles. Now that is eight to nine percent lower than what it, what the uh, uh, volume sold in 2021, and it's the worst sales year since 2011. So most automakers were impacted, with the exception, Greg, of General Motors, right. who saw a slight increase in 2022 over the 2021 sales figures. Honda, on the other hand, had one of the worst years as its 2022 sales were down almost 30% from 2021. Man, they need more Scott Lutons that want that want some of those Honda Accords, I guess. Well, I think that they were they got the double whammy, right? Because um they're in Japan, of course, and their cars or many many of the components of their cars are sourced in asia and asia was locked down the most and the longest i think there were some other cars N- nissan and a couple of other brands that also had double digit uh decreases nobody as bad as honda um, you're right but um they're you know that that they kind of got the double whammy from um the chip shortage and uh and of course the constant lockdowns throughout 2021 so yep. No whammies, no whammies, no whammies. Stop any any 80s game show enthusiasts out there. But, hey, there's always next year. Looking at next year, many automotive industry execs are optimistic given demand, which has been fairly stable, and inventory gains, right? Hey, there's a few more cars on the dealership lots out in our neck of the woods. So, Greg, that's a great call out around Honda, that double whammy. Anything else you'd add to what's going on in the automotive industry? Yeah, I saw an article, uh, I think it was in Business Insider, so I get a newsletter from them uh, periodically. (laughs) Silly, silly article that said, car buying has changed forever. I think that's maybe wishful thinking by by some of the automakers that people got used to ordering cars um, and paying full price and that sort of thing. That's very temporary. I, I can tell you, look, economic conditions are going to drive how we, and the availability of of physical purchasing mm. are going to drive how we how we buy cars and it will go back to the lots just like people have gone back to the stores i mean right. 
you know, we didn't, we weren't, we didn't spend all of our time at home because we wanted to. <laughs> we spent all our time at home because we had to. So uh, I think for, you know, some people who are shut-ins or something like that or antisocial, they may still be able to do that, but you've always been able to do that with, with certain cars. Um, they've tried to enable that. Um, I think what it could accelerate is the disintermediation of car dealers who at this point, really what value do they add other than holding the inventory on behalf of of the manufacturers. Um, But, you know, profit in selling a car has long since gone away for car dealers. Um, um, Members of my family have owned car dealerships in the past and don't now. Yeah. (laughs) For whatever that's worth. I think it's possible, you know, we talk a lot about this is the time of year when we talk a lot about predictions. Car buying has not changed forever. It has changed temporarily and it's probably changed for some people. But um, I think, you know, I think I'm hopeful that we'll start to see cars on the lots, though. I think we're still seeing either a shortage or an intentional uh, lowering of inventory on lots. Toyota, I've seen a a number of Toyota dealerships. I just happened to drive by a couple on the way to the airport. And um, they seem to still have pretty light lots. But GM was able to put a lot of cars on lots relative to uh, to other makers. And uh, truly, that's how you made gains in the industry, was just having cars. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. right. If you want to sell, sell cars, I guess it's kind of important that you have cars to sell. Well, you know, we, I mean, I'm a, personal, not just me, but in our family during that time, we ordered two different cars and did wait months and months and months for them. And let me assure you that that is not an experience that I or anyone in my family wants to go through again. Right. When you, when you want a car, you want it now. Right. And then the registration, uh, dilemma that, that I got play by play on. So, yes, (laughs) but yeah, with all with all that said, though, uh, looks like the car, the automotive industry, generally speaking, is is taking some steps towards whatever the new normalcy looks like. Um, and Nerf, I love what he says here. I drive a stick shift like my life depends on it. Nerf, I I can I can picture that, Greg. Can't you? He does everything like his life depends on it. He <laughs> plays with his kids like his life depends on it. He does his work like his life depends. On it. You know where Nerf Nerf we can call him that, but. LinkedIn won't let him put that on his, right. for some reason, on his um, profile anymore. But where Nerfod is from, ev- you did everything like your life depended on it because it did. So he, he and his family brought a lot of that to the States and, uh, well, to Canada. Sorry. All right. I forgot those guys. <laughs> um, and, and we're thankful for it, right? That's right. That kind of spirit is what keeps us moving forward as a society. That is right. Nerf, great to see you and your family. Hope you yeah, had a wonderful start. Him on here, here, isn't it? Seems like it's been a while. <clears throat> and Josh talking about don't forget the seatbelt shortage from oh, Ukraine. Great. And and wiring, right? Wiring harnesses for almost all of the German makes were made in Ukraine. Excellent point, Josh. Agreed. Uh, okay. Well, so moving right along, we pop this up here. Uh, we are going to be talking about drone deliveries from dealerships to drones. So Walmart recently announced that it had successfully completed over 6,000 drone deliveries in 2022. So as reported here by Supply Chain Dive, Walmart has partnered with several tech companies to create 36 drone delivery hubs in seven U.S. states. The retailer's current goal is 1 million drone deliveries uh, deliveries annually. So we got a little ways to go. Um, now, Greg, get this. Yes, uh, sir. This, this, <laughs> this is my favorite part of the story. Of 6,000 drone deliveries, the most popular items ordered were store brand, the, like the Walmart good value brand, cookies and cream ice cream, one number one, bounty paper towels, number two, and and get this, rotisserie chickens. Now, this might pose a problem. Who says chickens can't fly? <laughs> That's better than I had. Well, I was going to ask the question, can these drones fly faster than a red-tailed hawk? In, the, in this neck of woods, we're going to find out. But uh, yeah. also, Amazon, this is kind of one area where Walmart and its ongoing battle with Amazon is actually ahead of Amazon. That might surprise a few folks. Amazon has kicked, has re-kicked off its drone delivery last month, last December. 
uh, as Amazon Prime Air is now operating out of Lockford, California, and College Station, Texas, as they pilot some some new new practices there. Greg, your thoughts when it comes to all things drones? Uh, I don't know how to feel about drones, honestly. I just I just see eventually the skies being completely crowded with these things, and eventually we're going to have cookies and cream ice cream chicken rotisserie chicken at some point when there's a collision and it hits the ground. I, um, I, I mean, I think it's great to experiment with these things. I'm stunned that number one was cookies and cream, especially store brand, right? Denmark store brand. Really? I'm just thinking which trailer park that must've gone to, <laughs> you know, over and over and over again, because who orders that with urgent need? Hmm. No kidding. I don't know. I've never had a rotisserie chicken at Walmart. Have you? Uh, I'm sure. Yeah, Costco's got our business now. Uh, you can't beat those rotisserie chickens. I'm sure we have. Um, but still, the sense of urgency. I, I gotta. I can't wait to see it, and I can't wait to see some of the um, the headaches you point out, right? That come with it that that we all know about, and then undoubtedly, as this grows and more and more companies experiment some of the challenges in the blind spot that we're going to, have to figure out uh, down the road. So, well, I mean, one of the things that drone does give you is if you have, if you have a fence around your yard, right, which I think very few people in the States these days do. Um, if you have a fence in your yard, it's not, you know, it's not hindered by that. Whereas a lot of these ground-based, and I'm not sure that we're talking about flying drones now that you mentioned it, are we talking right. about flying drones or could these be those little drone carts? Uh, they're, they're, that's definitely in play. Is you know, but the six thousand drone deliveries uh, according to the story were air, yeah, air drones. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. Hey, really quick. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what to think about that. What do you think about it, Scott? Um, a couple thoughts. I think inevitably, with some of the other challenges we talk about, uh, and and you know, I love your sentiment that the truck truck driver challenge is never going to get solved. What would be interesting, you know, I, I love kind of how it uh, uh, drone deliveries help um, help some of those challenges, but the scale, the sheer scale for it to truly make a dent in the universe and the logistical and infrastructural challenges that that will pose. I mean, you think of the ports, think of the ports, right? Uh, ongoing story this year, we'll touch on it in a minute. You know, the lack of communication and visibility amongst all the stakeholders in the ports it's been operating for, you know, since the beginning of time, it feels like. Well, now apply all of that to the skies, to something that's brand new for so many. And I can see all kinds of communication issues that could be a lot more dangerous um, in, in the years to come. So, I, you know, I've, I've kind of like you, I've got mixed thoughts. I love to see the, um, the innovation, the experimentation, yeah. especially in a real practical sense. But, man, moving it towards the scale that it needs, the tipping point you have to be at, man, that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I just, it's just one of those things that I can't quite wrap my head around. So I'm going to have to learn a lot more, see it more. Right. Yeah. Um, hey, really a couple of quick thoughts here. Uh <laughs> Nerf Canada. Oh no, you didn't. I think Nerf is in the Detroit area, if I'm not mistaken. Close. He's in Toronto. Toronto is he? In Toronto? Is it really? Yeah. Okay. Well, Nerf, I've got it wrong then. Uh, so beautiful Toronto. Uh, now, Christine, back to the store. Christine says this will be regulated eventually and not be scalable. That's a mm -hmm. good take. That's a good take. Um, and uh, it is. I think that's a good take. I mean, I think there's a possibility that, but has any government regulation ever stopped Walmart? I remember way back when the protests true. about no Walmart in my neighborhood, and now they are everywhere. Right? You are so right. Uh, I remember when the first one came to Aiken, South Carolina, but I'll save that for another time. I remember when they tried to put one in Northeast Wichita you know, yeah. in the posh part of town. And you know what that part of town is like. And <laughs> they were having a fit. But mm. boy, you see a lot of Mercedes and Range Rovers <laughs> in that parking lot now. <laughs> uh, let's see here. A couple of the comments before we move on. Josh says, for people who don't know how to tailgate, drone delivery could be great for game days. Man, Josh, excellent point there. Um, oh my gosh. 
<laughs> wow. Kansas City Joe's, KC Joe's Barbecue. You just yep. order it and say deliver it to F25 in in uh, the Chiefs parking lot. Man, I love that. Or through tailgates all the time. So. <laughs> but think of the BYOB application. You know, when you Ooh. didn't prepare, you had some extra guests show up at your tailgate, you know, and, and halftime you're running out of beer. Man, then someone will figure out and make that a billion dollar opportunity. We'll see. Well, I'm just saying, if you're still tailgating at halftime, you got bigger problems than, <laughs> with Good beer hey, than not having enough. <laughs> there's been some challenging Clemson seasons in my background, Greg. I'm just going to leave it at that, okay? Um, yeah. Geneva says it does sound good, but it looks like it would be complicated. Might not be an everyday success story. Yeah, the point there. I think it, we'll we'll have to watch this evolve. That's an excellent point. It's going to take some years. This is not a tomorrow solution. This is a next ten. That's right. Years solution. We'll see how it evolves. <clears throat> That's right. Great. I mean, if you if WalMarts of the world who have a million a million delivery goal start with six, and you know that that tells you a lot right there. Yeah. Um, Okay, really quick programming note. Thanks for all the comments. Y'all keep the comments coming. Greg and I and the whole team is one of our favorite parts of our live stream programming. Um, speaking of programming, quick programming note. Check out the business buzz that we released today on Supply Chain Now's podcast channel. I shared a few news items, Greg, some data nuggets, a little bit of Greg White wisdom. I think I snuck in this piece as well as. Did you? I did. As well as. What I'm calling this this faith in humanity is kind of a theme I've been embracing with these. And there's a we we conclude on this faith in humanity piece. It's focused on a hero nicknamed Merry Christmas Jay. So give it a listen. You can get the uh, the rest of the of the story. Uh, so it says, um, and we're gonna drop the captivate link, the direct play link uh, in the chat, so y'all can give that. It's probably like a 10 11 minute episode, so you can get that done. Don't, don't, not even going to take your full lunch hours. Y'all check that out. Um, all right, Greg, where are we going next? Let's see here. I think we're going to be talking about uh, trends, trends, uh, global supply chain trends in 2022. We're kind of touching yeah. on a few of these here, right? So in one of your recent patented Greg White supply chain commentaries, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you got to connect or follow Greg on LinkedIn to tune in and not just not just consume his take, always entertaining take, but comment on it. So on, the, on the one of your recent ones, Greg, you focus yeah. on the supply chain dive story. It looked at nine of the biggest supply chain trends in 2022. Tell us more. Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, one of, one of the things we talked about was, um, what do I want to say? It, it's really hoping for normalcy, mm. right? I mean, there are all kinds of things that people are doing. They're trying to get rid of inventory, but, some of this had a distinctly backward looking perspective. And um, the thing that really struck me about the article that this, that my commentary is based on is this pursuit of normalcy, right? Uh, I, I think we've just got to forget that, right? That, that, that's foundationally flawed methodology for supply chain, right? Disruption is normalcy was one of the points that I made, but um, look, when, when a certain disruption happens, you load up on inventory. And we started talking at the beginning of last year about what a problem that was. Patio furniture was the story of the year for us, right? Patty, patio furniture and uh, joggers and sweatpants. Right. Right. Everybody was loading up on those. And of course, since everybody was freed from lockdown early in the year, they weren't spending as much time at home on their patio furniture in their jogging pants. They were out traveling the country and going and seeing things in places. And, <clears throat> and um, I, I think, you know, one of the things we have to be careful to do is to look forward at demand, not look back at demand. If the last two and a half, almost three years now, God, my gosh, is that wrong? <laughs> yes. If the last almost three years have taught us nothing, it is that the past is no indication of the future, right? Um, what is an indication of the future is what's impacting us today or what we anticipate to impact us in the future. We've been watching it throughout this year as people have started battening down the hatches and, and tightening their belts and all those other cliches around an economy slowing down, which it has unquestionably done. Um, you know, GDP growth was absolute zero this year mm. in the United States. So, uh, 
um, and, and, and of course, inflation. So you have to identify those things that are impacting people today. And most importantly, you have to stop hoping for normalcy. I bet you said you were going to address some of the statements in this thing. Yes. So I'm curious what one you would latch on to before I <laughs> lose this spoiler. Oh, two of them. So I love how you opened it. And I'm not going to share my ugly graphics. I tried to do a snip and, and chop from your LinkedIn post. But uh, the first, this is a quote. I quote Greg White here. Quote, the first, and I must admit, best advice I received when entering the supply chain profession was, assume everyone will fail you. So that's a good one. But what I loved is what you closed with. So y'all get this. So Greg's talking about how you can't expect normalcy. We're not going back. It's kind of what long lines he just shared. He says, he gets Dr. Seuss here. He goes, quote, dig a deeper moat, build higher walls, make your roofs of slate for there be dragons. And don't forget to lock the back gate. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, Greg. That was more Game of Thrones for me than, oh, there you go. than Dr. Seuss. It just happened to rhyme, I realized as I wrote it. But <clears throat> I was thinking about, you know, um, one of the things that I've watched companies try to solve as solution providers and as, as practitioners is um, how do we predict the next black swan, the next mm -hmm. major disruption, right? The next interference in the goodness of supply chain. And the truth is you don't need to and cannot in many cases predict that particular thing that will impact your supply chain. What you can do, however, is you can dig a deeper moat, build higher walls, and make your roofs of slate um, be, by finding those weakest points in your supply chain and then addressing those. Then no matter what causes disruption, you have done as good as you can with your supply chain in creating that resiliency that we talk about. Creating resiliency is as simple as eliminating fragility. It's as simple as eliminating those blind spots, those weak spots, right? Those I don't know spots. And, um, and of course, bad relationships or relationships with bad organizations, right? Yep. So um, one of the things I, I encourage a lot of companies to do is don't plan for whether there's going to be another pandemic, though Bill Gates says there is. And it's funny how often what Bill Gates says happens. <laughs> Um, like really suspicious, uh, but whether it's a pandemic, whether it's another ship getting stuck, whether it's a ship sinking or, you know, whether, you know, Florida falls off, God forbid, into the ocean. Um, right. It's, it, it, we just don't know what all of those disruptions could be. And therefore we shouldn't plan for the disruption because if we do that, we are single threading ourselves and we're only we're only creating resiliency against one thing that could happen when 999,999 things could have the same effect on our supply chain or hit us in the same spot. So it's better to attack your weak spots. Make sure the back gate is closed. I don't know if anybody even remembers Game of Thrones anymore, oh, yeah. but this big giant castle and like eight guys go in the back because that's where the that's where the guards went out to smoke or whatever they were doing. <laughs> they could have been doing all kinds of things in that serious guy, Greg. But uh, we'll save that for another time. Um, but uh, a couple things also, because we were what what prompted Greg for uh, this supply chain commentary was this article that looked back, I think, at nine different trends, uh, Greg, and a couple of them, a couple quick thoughts that stood out to me. Uh, the shifting of volume, of course, from West Coast to East Coast ports was a yeah. regular theme. Um, now, the December 2022 numbers haven't been released yet for the port of Savannah, all terminals, right? But when they are, that port of Savannah will set a new all-time record, somewhere around uh, 5.8 million 20-foot equivalent, equivalent units shipped, TEUs. For it, correct? What's that? For the port of Savannah, not for all ports. Right, all yeah. terminals that make up the Port of Savannah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then a second thing, you know, we're talking about drones a second earlier, um, robotics and automation and the mar march for more of all of that stuff was one of the nine trends uh, that the story cited. 
Um, McKinsey and Company estimates there were 1.5 million drone deliveries overall in 2022. Now, mm-hmm. that's up from the 500,000 that they uh, estimated in 2021. So, you know, regardless of what our, anyone's take is on drone, of course, there's a lot more information coming to all of our points. But what I like about that figure is that's basically 1.5 million experiments to crack the code to figure out the practicality of it all. So that is, um, that's really cool. Um, so Greg, before I share a couple quick comments, any final, um, and, and the next story, any final thoughts around any trends across supply chain last year? Yeah. One, one that I, I saw that, I, and I think we all saw that I don't really see as sustainable is retailers or, or other supply chain practitioners, manufacturers, whatever, buying their own, buying software companies, <laughs> And making it part of of their practice, which is a distinctly di- different business. I don't see that as sustainable, and we'll start to see some of those. Maybe not in the next year, but like many things in re- in retail or in finished goods, we'll start to see the pendulum swing back the other way when they realize that's not sustainable. Kind of like, and this is a common thing in trucking as well, or in supply chain as well, when you know big chains start to buy. Uh, their own trucking companies or create their own trucking internally. And then they realize that's not cost effective. And then they swing back to using all spot or contract market or whatever, or find some hybrid in between. I think there are some, some opportunities there. That's one thing um, that jumps out at me as, you know, as something that we'll start to see reverse. We've already started to see Costco and uh, Home Depot and Walmart selling off the ships that they bought. Yep. When the great carrier shortage, uh, ocean carrier shortage occurred. So um, these are temporary things. They're, you know, they're not in in a lot of cases even meant to be sustainable. But um, I think it does open up a good opportunity for companies to realize that they can be better partners to to these um, finished goods manufacturers and retailers and distributors if those companies feel compelled to buy or build their own technologies. Yeah, that's a great point. Kind of goes goes in line with uh, getting ready, you know, uh, building more resilience, as uh, Perpetual puts it, for any challenge that comes our way, right? Relationships, yeah. big part of that. Um, okay, y'all bear with me. I've <clears throat> I've had uh, a little bit of a congestion, and I've been fighting it through it. And it and I don't know this morning, Monday morning, hit me again. So uh, if I sound hoarse or sound an octave lower. Y'all know what's, we're, we're, we're fighting a good fight. Your mic makes up for it really well. Oh, good. Nice. Yeah, you still sound like a like a DJ. Okay. Thank, man, Greg. That's high <laughs> praise from one Greg White. Um, okay. Hey, really quick. Uh, thank you, Amanda. Linda Eshawani Nate is who we were trying to think on the front end of the show. That's that right. is the um, business lead, one of the business leaders at the uh, – uh, Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport, one of the best airports in the world. And Linda's got a great story uh, as her family is from Kenya. And I want to say she makes a trip back. The pandemic, I'm sure, threw things for a loop. But one of her last appearances with us makes, makes a trip back every year or every, every other year. So um, wonderful stories there, Linda. Okay, Christine, we were talking about jogging suits. Christine says, it's called athleisure. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Sorry, Christine. <laughs> right. You call it whatever you want. It's right. still sweatpants and yoga pants. <laughs> I think Athleisure is actually a company too, isn't it? I think that's uh is that Gwyneth Paltrow's company or somebody like uh, that? could be. Could be. Uh it's due to me. Um, all right. So final story of uh today, supply chain buzz. Again, every Monday, 12 noon Eastern time. We're talking supply chain real estate. Where's Ward Richmond when you need uh, Ward? Um, but we'll see. We've we got to get him back on the horn. But according to the Wall Street Journal, warehouse leasing has really slowed down. The space was busting at the seams, of course, throughout the pandemic. I want to say Amazon like doubled their footprint you know, amongst many others. Yeah. But now, according to Cushman and Wakefield data, warehouse leasing volume has dropped in third quarter and fourth quarter 2022. Now, Greg, it's about to get worse because there is still over 682 million square feet of warehouse space being built. And 83% of that is not tied to any occupants. So 
Your thoughts here, Greg? Uh, this is a frequent and tragic cycle, isn't it? I mean, we built, we ramp up everything right until the end, and then we are <clears throat> um, peak deniers, right? <laughs> I mean, real estate agents didn't want to believe that housing was going to downturn. Of course, they don't want to believe it. And and I, I am continually challenged to think about how we can provide some external ex- perspective that says, okay, enough is enough. Right. Um, because this frequently happens. I think back, I think back to the Great Recession when we saw subdivisions with three hundred thousand dollar homes being built, right? And then that all of a sudden stopped. And then you know, two thirds of the land sits un not undeveloped, right. but unbuilt for right. n- nigh on a decade, and then they come in and build hundred and seventy thousand dollar homes, which rapidly become three hundred thousand dollar homes anyway, and and to, and I, I knew this was coming with warehousing. I didn't realize it was going to be to this extent. 83% of it unclaimed is a lot. Uh, I knew it was slowing. I have a friend who actually builds and, and remodels uh, the facilities for Amazon. And um, they, had, they had huge plans for the coming decade still. And, um, or not the coming, the decade we're in. And, um, you know, they accelerated a lot of that just in time for everyone, everyone to go back to the stores and reduce the need for that kind of, that kind of distribution. So, and that's where a lot of this warehouse building has been is final mile fulfillment centers or, um, you know, final mile distribution centers, those sorts of things. So, we're going to see it. Some of them were really beautiful. And of course, that's another thing that I pass on. I don't know if everybody knows this, but I have a 40 mile drive to the Atlanta airport from my house. So I see a lot on the way. <laughs> and I go through that uh, Fulton industrial area that has, I mean, warehouses where I thought they would never build. And right. some of them beautiful and big. I mean, these ain't your grandpa's. And some not. And, and for lease, in case anyone's <laughs> wondering. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's it's been a – look, these are the cycles of economics, right? When, when um, everyone is looking up, that's when it's time to start looking down. And when everyone is looking down, that's when it's time to start looking up. So – um, it's, it's really hard to have that discipline. It's a herd mentality and we are herd animals. Um, so it's, it's difficult for us not to go through these kind of boom and bust cycles, but we are going to, and if you've read anything about what IMF, uh, the international monetary fund world bank and, and companies like that, or and organizations like that are thinking, you know, it's going to be a rough 2023. I've also heard some relative soft landing um talk as well so like like me the the economists don't know scott you might as well call yourself an economist as well you're right <laughs> as often as they are oh my co- collegiate teachers would vehemently disagree with that assertion and lee glasgow right, right? and lee, lee, lee really has some actual skills in that um you can see him cringe whenever i say i can feel him <laughs> cringing right now as i say that i am not There's a disturbance in the force as they are <laughs> Uh, by the way, great episode. You and I uh, reconnected with Lee a few weeks back. Uh, we'll see if Amanda and Catherine can drop the link to that episode. Uh, Lee, I'll tell you, Lee is a fount of industry knowledge and uh, you name it. So um, he really is refreshing to talk to, right? Um, he, you know, he works for a media organization. So, and, and he is uh, in the highest level of the media organization the true analysts who actually do the work of trying to figure out where business is and where it's going. He's not a talking head. He knows right. of what he speaks. Um, and, and, you know, when it comes to transportation, I haven't met anybody who knows as much as he does. Agreed. Agreed. Very nice. Uh, nicely said and completely agree with that. Um, hey, uh, going back to supply chain real estate, Josh says spirit of Halloween is going to have a field day uh, this fall. They're going to be popping up everywhere, Greg. We're going to have three of them in our neighborhood, you know? Uh, I don't, why is that? Sorry. Uh, that's the spirit of Halloween's or those stores that, that, that set oh, yeah. up like 30 days before Halloween, yeah. you know? 
uh, for like 45 days. Oh, is the news? Are they overstocked on? Oh, I think Josh is just talking about how they're going to have lots and lots of, of selections uh, with all the open and available real estate. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes, uh, that's right. So I wonder what it's like at retail level, right? I've actually seen a bit of a comeback. We have one of those kind of mini malls um, right near the house. Yeah, yeah. I've actually seen a pretty good comeback of stores. There is still a bookstore. There's a Barnes and Noble bookstore in this um, in this really? facility. Yes, and doing great. I mean, a ton of brands you would never expect. Hallmark. There's a Hallmark store. Yeah. I'm more and more convinced because guys, guys, guys. Yeah. <laughs> playing ahead a little bit but if you don't hallmark hallmark stores are a great place to go a joseph a bank store um a barnes and noble just yep. amazing yep. amazing some of these um brands that continue to to thrive yeah there's a there's a barnes and noble in the perimeter part uh, portion up near sandy springs in atlanta it's been there forever and they just do a great job. They, they know that they focus on their community and, you know, book orders and all the in-person service. And, um, and, and, you know, I still like it. it might be outdated, well outdated maybe. But I love going into a bookstore and, and touching all the, the books available. You know, I'm a big hard copy individual. So it's interesting. You know, we have, we have Gen Zers and millennials in, in our organization as well. And many of them like actual hard copy books. I was just talking to Clay, right? The diesel. I was just right. talking to him about that today. And I offered him my audible version of a book. And he's like, no, I want, I'm, a, I'm a hard copy book reader. Now there's irony for you, right? Gen X reading or not reading, listening to books and, and Gen Z, um, you know, reading, wanting the yep. physical experience of it. I love that. I think that's fantastic. So true. Um, and and Josh clarifies here, Spirit of Halloween has a habit of going into very recently yeah, closed right. storefronts. No, it wasn't a bad joke, Josh. Yeah, it's good, Josh. Keep it coming. Yeah, bad audience. It was <laughs> right. a tough audience. Let's go with that. Uh, let's see here. Um, I want to go back. So we're, we're about to uh, close, but I want to a big show of Bob Bovey here, going back to kind of trends and he says two things, some knee-jerk reaction to the supply chain crisis, having some payback. Also, location, location, location. Some of these warehouses are going to get snapped up. Uh, happy New Year, boys. Well, hey, Yeah, Happy New Year, Bob. Bob, hope this finds you well. Some will, but not all. Um, right. Some will sit stagnant. And uh, if you have a REIT that's invested in, in warehouse warehouses that aren't yet built just mm. hold on to your hat <laughs> that's right uh hey christine drone book deliveries are gonna happen they're gonna happen hey I, maybe so maybe so um all right uh well Catherine, going to your point Catherine is a hard copy reader too i can't get through books on a kindle greg do you have that challenge too uh reading is a challenge for me i mean <laughs> i can read i just want you to understand that I can read, but it is very, it's a very difficult process for me. I'm a very slow reader and mm. um, also have a tendency as people get to watch here to kind of go this direction and then that direction, right? Mm. And the other direction. And then I have to go back and read three pages it, because what I think is amazing about the human brain is you can continue to read the pages on a book and be thinking about something totally Yes. Different. I'm okay. I'm glad you called that out. I, I wasn't sure if it's not just you. It's in okay. fact, it's a lot of, it's a lot of people. Um, and you know, I have frequently, fairly frequently have a relatively long time in the car between one house and the other. And I, I listen to books. I do the audible thing. Um, but when you get into a stressful traffic situation, which is 100% of the time in Atlanta, yep. um, You'll find yourself still list, hearing it in the background, but you're not listening to it because you're going, is that the person that's going to run me off the road or is that? Yeah. So, um, I, I, I mean, I, <clears throat> um, but I'm glad that I'm doing it. Actually, I, I can tell you this. If you want to make your life better, yeah, do more and read more. It's, it's as Good simple point. as that. If whenever I read something, I learn something. Hmm. 
All right. Billion dollar advice from the one and only Greg White here today on the supply chain buzz. A couple of quick comments here. Inflation. Uh, only a billion dollars <laughs> in inflation. <laughs> Mom, uh, Lee Luton says, same here. I need to turn the pages of a real book and make notations and highlights. I was going to ask her that. And yeah, does she dog ear them and does she make yeah. notes? That's good. Um, Amanda, right? I read 83 books in 2022. That's got to be a record of some sorts. Um, and one last thing here. I want to, I want to, we're going to kind of book in today's buzz because I want to make a big push for folks joining us uh, tomorrow for the planning session of leveraging logistics for Ukraine. At 11 a.m. Eastern time, y'all check out the link. If y'all could drop it again in the comments, that'd be great. Just a planning session. You don't have to commit to anything. Just sign up. But if you attend that session, if you sign up today, here's what we're going to do, Greg. If y'all sign up for that session today and join us in doing good, right, giving forward, I'm going to give you, if you're interested. A book. We'll we'll have a drawing. That's right, a book. Thank you, Greg. You saw where I was going. Um, So I've got Beyond Good. Right here is one of my favorite reads. Uh, by I just spent some time with Theodore Lau. Uh, she was co-author of that with Bradley uh, Limer. Uh, it's a great read, really kind of focused on the technology side of, of uh, Beyond Good. And then also, Greg, one of our favorites here. I can't. It's just it's just out of my reach. The Winning Link, uh, The Winning Link by Billy Ray Taylor. So if y'all sign up for that, uh, our session tomorrow. Email Amanda, hit the drawing. It's Amanda at supplychainnow.com, and we're going to pick some uh, some book winners. So y'all consider that, and we hope, hope to see you tomorrow. Um, Greg, before we wrap here, on the first supply chain buzz of 2023, mm. man, that is hard to believe. Um, and, folks, again, you can join us every Monday, 12 noon Eastern time, for uh, some of the leading stories across global industry. But, Greg, uh, we, on the front end, we led with one of your a leadership challenge for everyone listening, right? Tie that into the latest with that said, as we wrap, um, what is one, give you a little time to think about this, like seven seconds. What is one aspect of global supply chain you think folks should keep front and center based on call it innovation, call it disruption, call it maybe some surprises, you know, what do you, what's one sector, one aspect of the whole global supply chain ecosystem that folks should keep on the radar more than they usually do? Uh, I can tell you, uh, this is probably not where you were expecting this answer to go, but what's new, right? Um, Just like all things in supply chain are complex and combinatorial and not necessarily a zero-sum game, I've been thinking about this a lot over the last year or so, and that is ESG. Um, don't think of ESG as a cost to your business. Think of it as one of the costs to your business. One cost that can impact positively or negatively your Mm. top line, the resiliency of your supply chain, the speed, the reliability of it. Think about how it it can impact all of those things Um, and start to consider that as an additional leg of the stool for your supply chain. Look, I mean, let's let's face the fact that your goods could be turned away at the port if they come from Xinjiang province and you cannot definitively prove that slave labor was not used. Mm. There is no room for plausible deniability in supply chain anymore. Only De Beers can get away with crimes and <laughs> still be able to do business. And um, But, you know, ESG, by the way, um, the S is not for sustainability. That's for social, social, um, environmental, social, and governance. So think about how um, treating the environment poorly, treating people poorly, or treating the government poorly, right? Or or laws or or process or policies poorly could negatively impact your business. And and be aware of that as yet one other thing that you need to consider in your supply chain. It's not regardless what anybody wants to say. And in the States, I don't know if this is a big issue elsewhere, but in the States, there are politicians who want people not to invest in ESG initiatives because they feel like they are detrimental to business. They absolutely are not. Regardless of what you feel about climate change or, or any of those things, they are risk factors in your business, the environment 
social and governance issues are a risk factor in your supply chain. And as I said earlier in the show, you need to eliminate the fragilities in your supply chain to assure resilience. And things like the possibility that your goods could be um, rejected at the port. Um, Or let's not forget the fact that if you have excess emissions, and by the way, 92% of all emissions produced by any company are in their supply chain. If you have excess emissions, know that that's costing you money. How? That's burning fuel for the most Mm. part. Mm. So that burning fuel is a cost. If you can reduce the cost of burning fuel, you also do good by the environment. And as I say, I don't care why you do good, just do good. Right. Right. I mean, do it for selfish reasons. Seriously. Um, But do it. But do it. Do it. I mean, you really do have to think about that. I mean, it's more than just philanthropic. It's more than just ethical. It really is good for your business. And people need to change their perspective, much like they used to think you can't you can't reduce your inventory and still uh, increase your customer service level, your on-time in full service level. You absolutely can do it. I've done it with thousands of companies, and I believe and that you know that was kind of the pendulum effect. People would either be way overstocked so they could fill inventory, or way understocked so they had lower cost. And but you can balance those things and be able to do both if you're very, very diligent and efficient. And agreed. Diligence and efficiency is, efficiency is really what ESG is all about. Mm. So uh, didn't think we were going there, did you? No, I liked it. So Jason is is tuned in via YouTube, and folks, YouTube's a great easy place to connect with our content. So he's a big fan of ESG reporting. But get this, uh, Jason loved the De Beers comment that Greg just made there. I agree, Adrian. Yeah, ESG is going to be really interesting to me. Very impactful. Already has in many ways. Um, and Kavan, hey, thank you for being here as part of these yeah. sessions. I love the leadership. I thought leadership you drop across social and here in these sessions. So happy new year to you. Um, hey, one final thing. And I keep adding, sorry, folks, this is the first one. We're out of practice, Greg. Yeah, we're not that far over. That's right. And and who can, and it's our show. We can, right. <laughs> they, they can stop tuning in. They can, they can just uh, take off. But hey, um, we're catching up with Kelly Barner this week. I, lo- I can't wait to do, to do that. And folks, if you know Kelly Barner um, and Dow P for Procurement, right, special series, well, she released a very special episode. I want to make sure we call it to y'all's attention because this was unique for her style. You know, it's very personal and uh, transparent and kind of a intimate um, when it comes to uh, some of the family stories that, that, that Kelly has. And it's all about her dad, her late father, Timothy J. McCarthy, and some of the best advice that he had ever given her. Unfortunately, we lost Mr. McCarthy uh, last September, I believe. And she released it on what would have been uh, Amanda, either his 70th or 71st birthday. We um, we released that uh, as a replay on Supply Chain Now, but you can also find, you can find it there, I think last week, or you can find it at, at Dial P for Procurement, but a really special episode. Um, really good practical takeaways, but also she shares some humor stories and, and just some really, you know, it's what, it's what making content's all about. It's very authentic. It's very powerful. It's very practical. And you know, it's good if it's come from Kelly Barner, Greg, give you a comment there. And then I'm going to sign us off. Um, I, I love the, I love the uh, simple and straightforward nature of our Irish wisdom. Uh, in so few words, so many things can be said. And um, Tim was no, he, he was no exception in that regard. And, and that's one of the things that, that Kelly shares in, in, that, um, mm. in that episode. So have a listen. Have a listen. You will appreciate the uh, 30 minutes or so you spend. So, uh, okay, Greg, we got to call it a day. Folks, thanks for everyone that showed up today and all the great comments. No, we couldn't get to all of them. Uh, but, hey, the good news is you can join us here live every Monday. Sometimes it's Greg and I. Sometimes it's it's um, friends from across industry. Kelly or Kevin. Yeah, that's right. Kelly and Kevin. Uh, I think next week, speaking of, is Digital Transformers version with Kevin L. Jackson. He'll be with us uh, live. But, again, it one of our favorite parts is what you contribute via all the comments. So y'all have a wonderful rest of your week. But, hey, take it's all about, you know, You'll hear us share some uh, good ideas. You'll see a lot of great ideas in the comments from the stories we cover. But 
It's not good enough just hearing it and listening. You got to act on it, right? Deeds, not words. So with that said, Scott Luton, Greg White, signing off for now, challenging you in this gorgeous new year where anything's possible. Do good, get forward, and be the change. And with that said, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.